What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. So what's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. My name is Shane Kohler. I am your host. Uh, Each week, we're here together. And um, as always, I'm excited and honored to be here with you. And today's conversation, uh, the, the title of today's show, is the amazing energy that men respond to. The amazing energy that men respond to. And what I really wanted to do in today's show. And for those of you who were with me last week, and if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would say go back and listen to it because this week's episode is going to make a lot more sense or be a lot more powerful when coupled with last week's episode, because last week's episode, I talked about why you shouldn't chase men. And I talked about the power dynamics in early dating and and why it's so important to maintain your power and how that creates respect and how your boundaries create respect and your boundaries create a sense of you being a high value partner. And, you know, it's important stuff we talked about. I mean, I I wouldn't want to not talk about any of it, but as I was reflecting on last week's session, I was thinking a lot about how I I gave you a lot of what not to do. Right. And how to hold your boundaries and how to be strong and how to, you know, know what your standards are. And and, I mean, it was more than that, but you'll have to listen to the episode to really get into what we talked about there. But I talked a lot about, you know, the, the having your boundaries and having your standards and not compromising that. And as I was, as I was thinking, you know, and reflecting on that, it occurred to me that I told you a lot of what not to do you know, don't be available for a last minute hangout or, you know, don't respond to inconsistency or don't be somebody's pen pal on a dating app for six months. Or, you know, I I talked a lot about what not to do and it's important to know what not to do, but I didn't talk a lot about what to do, what actually works. And so I was feeling that last week's uh, episode was really incomplete because I only gave you half the information and I find that if you go out there with half the information, you know, if you go out there knowing what not to do, but you're not clear about what to do, the approach can be very confused and it can come off very um, not in the way you want it to. So let me just put it this way. You know, if, if all you're doing is maintaining your boundaries and maintaining your standards and being, you know, not available for wishy-washy, non-committal, you know, uh, right? Like you get the idea. But if that's all you're doing, you're probably going to develop a kind of a strong approach, a kind of a, a little bit of a harsh or a tough approach 
that is actually going to be a turnoff to men. And, and I find that, you know, for a lot of us who have spent a lot of time in our lives without having strong boundaries, without really honoring ourselves, without really having our standards, where we've, you know, maybe been somebody who has let somebody walk all over us or has accepted abuse or accepted poor treatment or waited too long in a relationship that, you know, was going nowhere or, uh, you know, any version of this, right? And on and on and on with all these examples. But if we have been someone who historically has accepted less than we deserved, well, when we start strengthening that and when we start not allowing that, we can often vacillate to the other extreme and we can become someone who pushes people away. There can be like, you know, our, our fear of going back to that, going back to being the doormat, going back to letting someone walk all over, all over us, going back to the abuse or the lack of respect or lack of fair treatment, right? Like if our fear of falling back into that can cause us to overprotect so we can develop this tough kind of harsh. And I mean, it might not be overtly harsh, but it's just, there's not a warm inviting presence about it, right? There's not this warmth and this juiciness and this, this like love that just makes somebody want to melt into you, right? When you're, when you have really strong boundaries that can sometimes translate as like a harsh exterior. And, you know, as a woman dating a man, if men feel that toughness and that harshness, and that, like that lack of warmth, that lack of inviting that, you know, I said, like, they just want to melt into you, right? If they're not feeling that, well, that's going to be a turnoff. And so, yes, it is vitally, vitally important to have your standards, to have your boundaries, to not accept poor treatment, to not, you know, just be available to validate someone or to meet their whims. And, you know, I, I talked a lot about that last week, so I don't want to get too much in it today. It is so important to have those elements because if you don't have those elements, you will not create respect with people. People will lose respect for you. But you also have to blend those stronger elements with the softness and the warmth that is, that is going to make a man, like I said, just want to melt when he's with you. And if that is... If that's missing, then there's going to there's gonna be a kind of a friction there. So how do we do this, right? And I, I want to say that like when you're, when you're growing in any respect, I remember one of my mentors uh, many years ago said this, is that when you're growing in any respect, you're often going to mess it up in all kinds of ways. <laughs> right? You're going to go too much to one extreme, too much to the other. And then you're going to have to realize that you're off and you're going to have to come back into balance. And so in, in my journey of growth, I found it very much to be the same kind of way where I kind of go from one extreme to the other. But then when I come back, I don't go as far back to that extreme. And then when I come back the other way, I don't go as far back into that extreme. And, and as you, as you go back and, and between the two extremes, you start to find your way into the middle. I think I mentioned this last week, talking about this middle way. Right? And you start to find a way into the middle. You, tar- you start to find a way into balancing the clarity and the strength of your standards and your boundaries 
with the warmth and the beauty and the and the the grace of your of your authentic self. And so we cover the authentic self out of fear. Right? When we're afraid that we're going to get hurt, we're afraid someone's going to hurt us, someone's going to take advantage of us, someone's going to walk all over us, we cover that authentic self. We try to protect that authentic part of who we are. And we don't really feel safe to let that be seen. We feel the vulnerability in that. And so this balance of holding your standards and holding your boundaries, but also letting this softness and this gentleness comes through, you're going to feel the freedom to do that when you feel the strength of your boundaries. So does everybody get that? Like you're going to feel the freedom to express your beauty and your love and your grace when you feel the strength of your boundaries. Like when your boundaries become so clear, when you're, what's another way to say this? It's like, it's like when the honoring of yourself becomes such a given, becomes such a fundamental part of who you are, and how you live your life, when the honoring of yourself is fundamental to who you are and how you show up in the world, when there's nothing in that that really compromises, then you will feel a freedom to let these more sensitive aspects of yourself out, to let them shine through, to let them come through. Because you know that inside of yourself, there's a, there's a stronger commitment. And the, the strongest commitment within me is to honor myself, is to love myself, is to care for myself, is to respect myself. And, and as, a, as a result of that, to be honored and respected by others as well. So if that's fundamental, if that's foundational, if that's my highest commitment, if that's my truest commitment, well, then there's going to be a freedom to let those other aspects of myself out because it's not going to compromise that initial commitment. But if that initial commitment doesn't feel solid enough or strong enough to, like if you think that the moment you let your softness out, the moment you let your warmth out, the moment you let your connectedness out, the moment you let that come out, that you're going to compromise your standards or your boundaries. That you're going to let somebody disrespect you or you're going to accept poor treatment from someone or you're going to settle for less than you truly want. If that commitment is not that secure, then what's going to happen is you're going to withhold those more soft and sensitive aspects of yourself to protect yourself. If you're with me right now, just tap that heart a few times. I want to know who's following this conversation, right? Because it's, this is why, and I think this is why I started with more the stronger approach of, of having these boundaries and having these, you know, having this strong commitment to stand on is because it's, it's so important to feel secure in that. 
And so I, I would say, if you're going to make a mistake, to make a mistake on the side of that, right? If, if you're going to err, err on the side of holding your boundaries. Err on the side of demanding respect. But as you get more comfortable in doing this, as you get more comfortable in requiring, requiring is probably a better word than demanding, right? But as you get more comfortable in requiring that respect from people, start to relax a little bit about it. Start to trust that it's there, that you don't have to watch it so closely and start to let yourself go out more. Now, I know this is a little bit esoteric and, and it might be tough to, to think of how this really looks. So I want to give some examples of how this really looks in real life. And there's something my wife came up with. I remember this was actually, oddly enough, it was, I think the day after our wedding, or maybe it was, maybe it was like two or three days after our wedding, but we were still in Montana. So we got married in the middle of the pandemic and we ended up, our, our wedding was canceled and we eloped with a few of our friends and we went out to Glacier Park in Montana where the pandemic hadn't hit yet. It was like, you know, everything was shut down in New Jersey where we live, but we went out to Montana and it was like, everything was open. Nobody was wearing masks. It was like the pandemic hadn't even hit yet. And so we had our wedding out there. And, um, it was like two or three days after our wedding, but we, we went up to this lake. It's called Lake Bowman. It's in like, some of you might've been there. It's a beautiful, beautiful lake, but it's like way out in like the far reaches of the park. And you got to like drive these dirt roads to get out there. But we, we went all the way out to Lake Bowman and we spent this day out by the lake and it was really beautiful. And we were just talking and laughing and sharing and, you know, all the, all the stuff we, you know, all the stuff we were doing. And I remember when we were driving out we started having this conversation about how every committed man that we know who's in a relationship, who's like, you know, all of our friends who are married or in long-term committed relationships, how all of these men have worked their asses off for their women. Like, and my wife and I was talking about how I worked my ass off for her. Right. And, you know, we were kind of laughing about it, how like all these men worked their asses off for their women, but also how gracious and receptive the women were about that. And there wasn't this harsh quality of like, you step up for me or, you know, kind of like the, kind of like the harsh mother, right? Of like, you do this, 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 and this and pointing out everything that they're doing wrong and like the critical and like, you know, none of our friends or the relationships they have, like, they're not really like that. And, you know, when I look at like conscious partners, I don't really see them like that. But something I do see is that the men work their asses off to please the women and that the women are so gracious and receptive and honoring of the man's efforts. And of course, the women work really hard for the relationship too. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't. But I, I, I think this is the thing. And I was thinking, I was, I was in the shower while I was getting ready for the podcast and thinking about what I wanted to talk about. And, and this is what I came up with, is that the way it works is that a man puts in the effort on the front end and receives the reward after the fact. Whereas the woman receives the reward on the front end and then makes the effort after the fact. 
And what my wife and I came up with is this interesting dynamic that we've been teaching for a lot of years, which is challenge and reward. And the way it works, and this is actually, I mean, it works in relationships long-term as well, but, but it's especially pertinent when you're first getting to know someone. And the way it works is you challenge a man to step up for you. You challenge him to step up for you in some way that you want him to show up. And then you reward the effort. Right? So what I was saying is he makes the effort on the front end and then is rewarded for it. Whereas the woman receives the reward on the front end and then makes the effort on the other side of it. This is the dynamic that fits perfectly into polarity and masculine feminine energy. So when you're dating, when you meet a man, what you want to do is you want to give him challenges to step up for you. And the challenges, and I want to be clear, because challenge, the the word itself can be misinterpreted. So I am not suggesting a challenge to be anything harsh, anything aggressive, any anything like, you know, critical or mean or rude. And I know the word can be interpreted that way, right? So I want to be really clear about this. When I say a challenge, I'm not telling you to be aggressive or harsh or nasty to him in any way, right? That is going to, that is going to, um, the, the, if you try to challenge him in that way, I mean, it's just going to be a huge turnoff. He's not going to respond to that. But the challenge can be done in a flirty way. It can be done in a sexy way. It can be done in a vulnerable way, in an intimate way. It can be done in a way that gets him excited about what's to come, right? But, but the challenge is essentially an opportunity for him to show up for you. Right. And so you could, you could exchange, if you don't like the word challenge, that's okay. I know when I've taught this over the years, people have said they don't like the word challenge. So you can exchange the word challenge for opportunity if you want to. But what you're doing is you are providing opportunities for him to step up for you. And then you are rewarding the effort. Now, I just want to give a really example of of how this could look. And I might've even given this example last week. I don't remember, but you know, let's say you were texting someone and you wanted them to ask you out and they weren't asking you out, right? Actually, I think I did say this last week, but it's okay. I'll say it again. Um, like you, you're saying you're going back and forth. Maybe you're on a dating app or you're just getting to know someone and you want them to ask you out, but they're not asking you out, right? Well, that would be the time when you would want to give him a challenge, right? You would want to give him an opportunity to step up and take the action that you want him to take. Now, if you ask him out, Now you're stepping into the masculine role. You're leading the relationship in a small way. And this is, you know, some men may experience it this way. Some men may not, but in a small way, you're even emasculating him a little bit because you're doing the work for him, right? So if you say, Hey, do you want to go out this weekend? I want to, you know, whatever, I want to take you somewhere. Like, like now you're like you're depriving him of the opportunity to be a man and to take you out. And yet there is this, like, and this is the question I get from women all the time. It's like, well, I feel like if I don't ask, he's never going to do it. But if I ask now I'm taking the masculine role 
And, and so, and, and I get it. Like you feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. So I'm giving you the way out right now. I'm, I'm giving you the way out of this rock and this hard place where you can remain in your feminine. You can be flirty. You can be sexy. You can be attractive. You can be high value and you can still get him to step up for you. And so you would say something like this. You would say, listen, I am really enjoying our conversation, but you know what? I think I would love it so much more in person. You think you're ready to take me out sometime soon? Right? So that would be a flirty, sexy, fun, intimate, kind of joking, but also kind of serious, moving the relationship forward, but still letting him take the lead still letting him take that role to make it happen, to step in, right? That's, that's the way to do it. And so that's the challenge, right? That's the opportunity for him to step up. That's the opportunity for him to step up and provide. That's the opportunity for him to step up and be the man and court you and move the relationship forward while also giving you the opportunity to challenge him into being that man. And I'm going to share probably an unpopular opinion right now, but in my experience, like this is largely the truth, is that men these days need you to teach you, or excuse me, they need you to teach them how to court you. Men these days need you to teach them how to court you. And I know, like, I, I, see the, I see the comments on social media and people say all the time, like, if he doesn't know how to court you, then he's just a loser and a weak man and you need to drop him. But, like, we live in a really dysfunctional society. And, and I'd, I'd just like you to consider, like, at what point in this man's education did he ever take a class on how to court a woman? Like, in what grade was that offered? Do you think his dad taught him that? Do you think his dad taught him what you want when you're dating? Like his dad didn't know. You think his dad did it with his mom? Probably not. Maybe his mom taught him. Maybe. But also probably not. <laughs> or maybe he had some female friends, but maybe not. Right? And so what, what you often find are like sincere, good-hearted men who really want to show up for you who really want to make the effort to please you and make you happy, but they don't know how. They don't know what you want. And by you simply giving him these challenges, giving him these opportunities to step into being the man that you want him to be, and giving him the opportunity to do that. Like, I want you to hear this, ladies. Like, that does not make him a weak man. His strength will be demonstrated to you in how he meets your challenges time and time and time again. In how he shows you time and time and time again that he wants to make you happy. That your needs are important to him that he wants to provide for those, that he wants to be there for you. 
You see, a lot of ladies, they reach out to me and they say, you know, I, I'm in a relationship with a guy and he's not any, like he, he's not the kind of man that I want to be with. He doesn't honor me the way I want to be honored. He doesn't provide for me the way I want to be provided for. He doesn't respect me the way I want to be respected, the way I want to be respected. And, and honestly, I would say, well, when you were courting him or when he was courting you, did you teach him how you want to be treated? Did you teach him what was acceptable to you and what was not? When he would do things in the courting period that were not okay with you, did you let him know? Or did you just withhold it? And none of this, and and this is what I really want to speak into today because we're talking about the energy, the amazing energy that men respond to. None of this has to be done harshly. None of this has to be done critically. And you see a lot of the time when a man is not showing up the way you want him to, what women start doing is criticizing. You're not doing enough of what I want. You need to do more of this. Why don't you do this? Why her husband does it for her. Why don't you do it for me? And, and women will fall into this critical energy that just makes a man feel like, like he's, he's not going to change when you start criticizing him. He's, he's just going to feel like more of a failure, like more of a loser. And that's going to, whatever behaviors he has that are reflective of being a failure or a loser, that's going to dig in those behaviors to be stronger. And I'm also not telling you that you should just tolerate a man not showing up for you. But what I am saying is when you meet a man and when you're dating him, is that you should let him know how you want to be treated. That you should let him know how you want to be loved, how you want to be cared for, how you want to be courted, how you want a man to show up for you. And you should sit back And watch if of his own desire, of his own interest in you and his interest in the relationship, if he makes the effort to make that happen. You want to sit back and watch if he puts the effort in to make that happen. And the whole time you're bringing the energy that makes him fall in love. So let's talk about what that energy is. Let's talk about what that energy is. That energy is soft. It is warm. It is nurturing. It is kind. It is loving. Like you, like ladies, I want you to hear this. These are the things that men cannot provide for themselves. Okay? A man, unless maybe he's gay, right? But, but a straight man cannot go to one of his homies and fall into his arms and be held and loved. That is something he can only get from a woman. Right? A man cannot experience that warm, loving, nurturing energy 
from another man. That only comes from a woman. He also can't experience that from himself. I mean, to a degree, if he's in touch with his feminine aspects, he can love and nurture himself to a degree. But it's not the same thing any more than you providing for yourself is the same thing as a man providing for you. Right? Like, this is something he can only get from a woman. And I I see a comment, what about nurturing from his kids? Kids do not nurture adults. Kids can love adults. They don't nurture adults. Okay? This is something that a man can only get from a woman. And when you're courting or dating a man, more than anything else, more than anything else, this is what he wants to feel from you. He wants to feel that warm, loving, nurturing energy. And I'm not saying that you have to always be that and that, you you know, you have to keep some kind of character and never break it. Like there will be times when you'll break it. You know, there will be times when you'll say, listen, like I need to talk about something important with you because this is really on my heart. And this is, this is really bothering me. And I really, like, I really need you to hear me on this, right? Like there, there will be times when you can come out of that warm, loving, nurturing energy to have a serious conversation with him about something. That's okay. I'm not saying you can never break character, but overall, this is what he wants to feel from you. And, you know, I I would say when it becomes dysfunctional, when it becomes dysfunctional and well, let me just say this, like there are really two ways this becomes dysfunctional. When we're not, as a woman, and I know I'm not a woman, but when a woman is not getting what she wants from a man, she can go into being critical and trying to make him be better through criticism, through telling him how wrong he is. Or the other way she can go is into desperation. And if I just subordinate myself, if I just hold myself back and wait and wish and hope, maybe he'll start showing up for me. Right? So these are the two ways that it goes off the rails. And I want to say like going into either of these is so much easier than remaining in your power. Right? Like it is so much easier to be critical and to judge and, and to rip him apart than to just face up to the fact of maybe this is kind of the kind of man he is. Or to face up to the fact that maybe he's not that motivated to work on the relationship. Or maybe he's not that motivated to make you happy. Or maybe, here's another option, maybe he is motivated to make you happy. But maybe you have not been vulnerable enough to share with him how he can make you happy. Because it's easier for you to criticize and to point out what's wrong than to open your heart and reveal that needy part of yourself that that wants him to meet those needs. But then if that needy part of yourself 
goes too far to the other extreme, you fall into desperation. Right? When the, when the needy part of yourself becomes in the driver's seat, starts to run the show, now you fall into desperation. And so I, I know I talked about this last week, and, and I, like this is one of the most important things, is it comes back to this middle way. This middle way, right? Keeping that soft, vulnerable space in your heart. Keeping that soft, vulnerable space in your heart where you let him know that you do have needs and you do want him to meet them. I do want you to show up for me. I do want you to love me. I need that from you. Like if you're going to be the man in my life, this is what I need from you. This is what I need from you. Like I really need this. Like this, there's a vulnerability in that. There's a softness in that. I need this from you. But also, I need it. And if you don't provide it, I'm going to find someone who can. Right? I'm not going to criticize you for not providing it. And I'm not going to be desperate and sit around and just wish and hope that one day you'll decide to be the man I wish you were. I'm going to recognize that you are not the man I'm looking for. I'm going to recognize that you are not the man who's going to provide this for me. And without losing that soft, gentle, warm, vulnerable presence, I'm just going to distance myself in the relationship. I'm just going to let you go. And I'm going to let you feel how it feels to lose that presence in your life. I'm going to let you feel how it feels to lose that presence in your life. And then maybe a month later to see me letting someone else experience that. Maybe on social media or maybe, you know, like wherever, right? And then maybe, then maybe you'll understand what you lost. And maybe the next time you have a good woman in your life, you won't do it. And I, I, I've said this many times is that like the, this is how women have the power to transform men. And, and I'm very aware, and I just want to say this because I just want to be real. Like, there are a lot of good, honorable men in the world. There are a lot of good, honorable men in the world. And there are a lot of fucked up, toxic, dysfunctional men. Now, there are also a lot of toxic, fucked up, dysfunctional women. <laughs> but here's the difference. And this is something I've spoken about before. Is that toxic masculinity is what got the world into the position it is. It's in right now. Toxic masculinity is what has gotten the world into the position it's in. Toxic masculinity is the reason that we have so many fucked up men and it's the reason that we have so many fucked up women. 
And it's not anybody's fault. We were all born into this. Like, it's not anybody's fault. We inherited this. But toxic masculinity is the root of the problem here. And to bring balance, it's going to be healthy femininity that heals it. And this is why I say that women have the power to transform men. Because ladies, I want you to hear this. When women start to operate in a way in the world where toxic masculinity gets no play with them, where toxic masculinity cannot get a woman involved with it, then men will change their ways. Because I'll tell you what, men need women. It's just that simple. We need women. And so by doing what I'm telling you here is by, you know, embodying this powerful feminine presence, this warm, nurturing, loving presence, while also owning your boundaries and owning your standards and expecting a certain treatment from men and expecting a certain respect from men. And when you don't get that, when a man does not offer you the treatment and the respect that you deserve, you don't fall into desperation about it and you don't fall into criticism. You just let that man go and you let him lose you. When women start operating like that, men will change. And ladies, I'm not saying that it's your responsibility to make men change. It's not, okay? You did not cause the problem. It's not your job to fix it. But you're in the world just like we are. You're dealing with the same fucked up circumstances that we're dealing with. And you have the power to do something about it. You have the power to have a man step up for you. You have the power to call forth the greatest aspects of a man. And you can choose to use that power or not. But I'm going to tell you, ladies, there is something you have that men want more than anything in the world. No amount of money can touch it. No amount of sex can touch it. But if you allow it to be stolen from you, or if you allow it to be manipulated out of you, then you are allowing men to take what they want from you without giving you what you deserve in return. And going back to what I said earlier, this is why I say that both parties contribute to a relationship, but men contribute on the front end and receive the reward afterwards. Women receive the reward on the front end and contribute afterwards. And by you maintaining that standard, 
You are bringing balance to the toxic masculinity that runs the world. You are putting that toxic masculinity in check by maintaining that standard. But if you lose that beautiful, warm, nurturing energy that men crave, if you lose that, then you're losing your power because you're giving up the only thing that men want. And so this is why, like, and, and I, I see it and it's, it's so heartbreaking because I, I primarily coach women and I coach a lot of men too, but I primarily coach women and I, I see so many women who just don't recognize that they have this power. So many women who have bought into the toxic masculine idea that women are to be used rather than cherished. And because so many women have equated themselves on that level, they are living within a paradigm in which, like, if you've equated yourself with the toxic masculine idea of who you are, then you're living within a paradigm of that's who you have to be. And you have to compromise yourself in order to survive in that paradigm. But when you recognize what you when you recognize what you actually are and how much power you actually have that when when you really embody that empowered presence of the goddess that that men are like craving on such a deep level I mean, men will be tripping over themselves to provide for you, to make you happy. And if a man doesn't, it's okay. He's just not ready for you. Like, I know it's, I know it's so hard to hear this and it's so cliche, but it's really not about you. It's about him. When you show up, as the amazing human being that you are and he does not receive that that is not about you that is about him let him stay alone in his suffering he's not ready to step out of it yet so let him stay alone in his suffering and elevate yourself to the level at which someone will see it and honor it and appreciate it. All right. So we've, we've talked about a lot of big stuff today. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily um, plan to go into all of that, but, but we, <laughs> we went there. We went there. Um, yeah, great conversation. I've been excited to to explore this with everyone. So I've, I've seen a lot of questions come in. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to go back through these questions. Uh, some of them were really good. And I want to speak into some of them. So um, I'm going to do that now. Let me just go back. So Payal has this question. She says, how does it work when everyone these days expects a 50-50 split on everything. Rent, 
outings, travels, etc. Well, first of all, I don't know that everyone these days expects a 50-50 split on everything. I think, like, especially in dating, and I'll say this for anyone who's dating, um, you know, like, ladies, if if a woman doesn't, or excuse me, if if a man doesn't offer to pay on a first date, or even your first several dates, like, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. And it's not even that he has to pay, or if you want to insist on splitting it, that's okay too, although I think it's nice to let him. It gives him the feeling of being a man and being able to provide something for you. So, you know, if, if a man offers to pay and you want to let him, that's okay. If a man doesn't pay or at least offer to pay, like, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. It's showing something about his character. Now, I don't think as a woman that you should be like, what, you're not going to pay for me? No, I, I think you should be graceful. And if he, that's how he wants to handle it, say, okay, I'm happy to pay for myself. And you could even offer, like, if he says, I'm going to get this, you could even, to be polite, say, like, no, no, I, I'd love to split it with you. And then if he says, no, I'd really like to get it, please let me. Then you can go, okay, thank you. And, and you can be gracious and let him do it. Like, I think in an ideal world, that's the way it would go, right? He would offer, you would offer to split it. He would say, no, I'd really like to handle it. And you would let him. That would be like a really healthy dynamic on a first date. Okay. But if, if a man doesn't offer, like, I think that reveals something. And, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't offer to pay because that's just culturally not what he knows to do or how he was taught or how he was raised. But in every other respect, he's working his ass off to show up for you. Maybe you could let that one go. But I think there is something in, in a man that, that has him want to provide something for you. And if he's missing that, that's concerning about the relationship you're going to have long-term. Now, in terms of like, does everybody want to split everything 50-50 or like, here's the thing. You teach people how to treat you. You teach people what you will accept, what's okay with you, what's not okay. Now, like we live in a world today where women work just as much as men do. Often women make more money than men. I, I know several families that have stay-at-home fathers and working mothers. And that doesn't mean that these are weak men who don't provide for their families. It's just a different dynamic. And in that dynamic, the, you know, the both partners are often happier that way. Like the woman may really love her work that she's doing. And the man may really love being with his kids and whatever he does at home, right? So that, I, I think the, the social dynamics of all of this is something that is distinct from the energy that is present in a relationship. So, you know, like, again, we live in a culture where it is often normal for a woman to make more money than a man. And if you go out, if any random woman meets any random man in the world, it is very possible that she will make more money than him. There's probably a 50-50 chance that the woman will make more money than the man or vice versa, right? And so I think when it comes to how we split things, like for example, me and my wife, we kind of split things 50-50. 
not exactly 50-50 all the time, but for the most part, we, we land somewhere around there. And it's because we both have successful businesses that make good money. So it's just, it, it makes sense for us and that's natural to do. But if my wife was a stay-at-home mother and I expected her to split things with me 50-50, that would, that would not be workable. So there are, there are two, there are two um, conversations here. There is the practical conversation of what is, what is the situation with our resources in our relationship? What is the situation with the resources in our relationship and, and how do we navigate that? What, what is the resources in our relationship and how do we navigate that in our partnership together? And then there is the conversation about is the man making the effort to show up for the woman in the relationship? And these are two distinct conversations. So what I, what I want you to get ladies is like when you meet a man, like he needs to put in the effort to prove himself to you. He needs to put in the effort to make himself like to show you that you're safe with him, to show you that you can trust him, to show him that he's going to show up for you. But if you make more money than him, and you're not planning on quitting your job and you expect him to pay all the bills. I mean, that, that seems a little unfair, right? Like that, that just doesn't seem like a partnership. That seems very one-sided to me. So there's, there are really two distinct conversations happening here. And you know, if you make more money than him, well, maybe it makes sense for you to have a different relationship in terms of who pays for things, but that doesn't excuse him needing to show up and prove himself in the relationship and prove that he is worthy, prove that you can trust him, prove that he is consistent. All right. So I hope I answered that question. And that's, that's a little complex. I I see, I see somebody here who left a comment. They say the gender pay gap is still a thing. Well, I want to clarify something. I'm not talking about the gender pay gap right here. So if you heard that, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm not talking, I'm not making a social commentary on the equality between men and women's pay. I'm saying that this is a literal truth. We live in a world right now where if a random man meets a random woman, there's a 50% chance that she will make more money than him, at least in the U.S. In other places, it might be different. But in the U.S., that is the reality of what we're living in now. Okay, I'm not talking about if that's the same way across the board in all fields and gender equality. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about relational dynamics here. I'm talking about when you meet someone, for the ladies here, when you meet a man, it's possible that you will make more money than him. But that doesn't excuse that he's still going to need to show up and provide. So, so Payal's asking the question now, what exactly does providing mean? Well, providing in terms of masculine and feminine dynamics. Okay. If, and, and we're talking about this within a modern culture. Okay. Because if we were a hunter gatherer society, if we were a hunter gatherer society, yeah, the women would probably stay at the camp because it wasn't safe for them 
to be out in the jungle taking on wild animals or, you know, warring tribes or things like that, right? So if we were in a hunter-gatherer society, yes, the women would stay at the camp and the men would go out to do the hunting and the providing and they would bring the things back to camp for everyone to eat. We don't live in that society. We live in a modern society. So what masculine providing looks like in a modern society is for him to be honorable, for him to be trustworthy, for him to be consistent, for him to be safe, for him to want to provide for you. Okay, this is why I said, you know, if, if he makes, or if you make more money than him, it might not make sense for him to pay for everything for your entire relationship. But I'll tell you what, he can definitely pay for the first date. He can definitely pay for the first few dates. He can definitely pay for some things. Before he even finds out how much money you make, he can spend some of his own money to show you how much he wants to make you happy. So providing is an energetic thing. It's about the effort he makes. It's about how he shows up. It's about what he tries to do for you. And yeah, like on, on, on that same note, you know, if he's, if he's like a guy who, who doesn't have a good job and who doesn't work very hard in his life overall and barely even provides for himself, well then, yeah, he's not going to be able to provide for you. So like, I mean, to a degree, yeah, he should make decent money. He should, he should be doing well enough in his life to at least have a nice life for himself and be able to do some things for you as well. Like if, if he's not even in that place, I remember I was talking to a client recently and she, she shared that, you know, there's this guy, they had been friends for many years and they had tried to, they had tried to uh, start a relationship, like take it to the next level with their relationship. And, you know, they were long distance. So, you know, they're having this long distance relationship and she decides to go out and visit him. And, you know, he's like, and I, I, I don't mean to insult anyone when I say this. Okay. But I'm just talking about the facts of the situation and, and how things were. So she goes out to visit him. Now this guy was retired, living on a retirement pension. Okay. He, he lived in an apartment that was borderline a hoarder's apartment. And his whole idea of showing her a good time when she came to visit him was for him, was for her to hang out at his house out in the middle of nowhere. That's, you know, basically cluttered like borderline a hoarder's apartment and to hang out with his friends in that area. And, and like, and I'm saying all of this, like I'm not criticizing his life or the way he lives or the man he is. That's fine. He can be whoever he wants. But what I'm saying is that he had no consciousness of providing for her when she came to visit him. He had no consciousness about, I want to show her a good time. I want to show her around town. I want to take her out and buy her a nice dinner. I want to take her to some of my favorite places. I want to clean my house and make my house really nice so she feels really good when she's in it. Right? Like he had no consciousness of providing for her. And yes, she may have made more money than him. 
But that doesn't change the fact, like this was not about how much money they make. They could have made the same amount of money. He still did not have the consciousness to want to provide for her, to want to care for her, to to want to make her happy, to please her. He wanted her to come out and settle into his environment and accept everything on his terms in the way that was comfortable for him and didn't require much effort from him. And, you know, the conversation that she and I had after she got back from that trip was like, look, he's not a bad guy. He's your friend. You've known him for a long time. You don't have to hate him. But like, think about what a relationship with this person would be like long term. Think about what it would be like to commit yourself to this person for life. It would be a nightmare. You would be completely unsatisfied. And so like the the point here is this is not a conversation about money, but this is a conversation about how someone shows up for you. And yeah, part of that is they should have at least enough money to be able to take you out and show you a good time. That's part of it. And I would say if, if he wants to do that, let him do that. Because that's going to that's gonna make him feel good about what he can do for you, about making you happy. You know, one of the, one of the worst things, one of the worst things a man can ever feel is that he tries to do this for you. He tries to do that for you. He tries to make you happy. He tries to, like, you know, he just tries to do all of this, but you don't need any of it. You don't want any of it. You've got it all already. Like that, like that will kill a man's spirit. You know, my, my wife, my wife would often say to some of her clients, she'd be like, I don't need my husband to take out the trash for me. I can do it myself but I let him do it because it makes him feel like he has a place in my life. It makes him feel like he can serve me in some way. It makes him feel like he can contribute in some way. And if, if I don't give him any space to do that, if I'm too busy doing everything myself, taking care of all of it myself, handling it all myself, he feels like he has no space in my life. And taking the garbage out is a simple example, right? But so you want to not only allow a man to provide for you, but you want to give him opportunities to do so. And if he doesn't ambitiously take those opportunities, he's not the man for you. Like if he isn't excited about those opportunities and wanting to step into that, wanting to please you, wanting to make you happy, he's not the man for you. All right. So great question, Payal. And thank you. Thank you for dropping that in. I'm sure a lot of people had a similar question. And you know, like, I just want to say to, to add to that question, Like a lot of this stuff is confusing because these things were a lot more simple when we were cave people. (laughs) These things were a lot more simple 
when we all just fit into our roles. But the truth is, like, it simplified things, but it didn't, it didn't make people happy because people were not experiencing the fullness of who they are. And the truth is, there are a lot of women in the world that don't just want to be homemakers. Like, there are a lot of women in the world that don't just want to be mothers, and they may want to be that. They may want to be a homemaker and a mother, but they don't want to only be that. Like, there are women in this world that want to have a career, that that, that lights them up, that they are inspired by that, that that is deeply meaningful to them. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. But when, when the roles get confused like that, when everything's not as black and white as it used to be, we don't always know how to relate with each other anymore. And I, I think absolutely, like, I think it is a very good thing for women to have careers, for women to have their own money, for them to not be completely dependent on men. I think that equalizes things. I think that empowers women to make the kind of change that I was talking about earlier, right? Whereas when women are completely dependent on men, they're also disempowered. So I think those are really, really good things. But we also, when we, when we lose that everybody naturally fitting into those roles, we also lose a little bit of the understanding of how to relate with each other. And so in our professional lives, we can make lots of money, we can have big jobs, we can do all the same things. But when it comes to our personal lives, when it comes to relating with each other, we need to know how the man can still feel like a man and the woman can still feel like a woman. And we can have that polarity in our intimacy, in our interrelatedness. Because if that's not there, then men feel emasculated, women feel disrespected, and nobody's happy. So, like, yes, as our society changes and as our our species evolves, right, which is what's really happening. And, you know, when we were in hunter-gatherer societies, men were in very masculine roles and women were in very feminine roles and nobody broke those roles. And now we live in a society where women have the opportunity to take on very masculine roles and men have the opportunity to experience more of their femininity. And that's a good thing. But if we lose that sacred masculine feminine connection in relationship with each other, we're losing like the very spark that makes our relationships juicy. And so this, this new level of experience that we have now is also challenging us into a new level of mastery, right? Where my role is not automatic anymore. My role is not just determined for me by life anymore. I get to choose my role. But with that choice, it's like Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Right? So now that I have the power to choose my role, I also have to be conscious enough to show up to my relationships in a way that serves my relationships. 
And it's an interesting thing. It really is. So great questions. And I just love the conversation that these questions have opened up. Um, I'm going to scroll back through here, see, uh, see what other questions I find. Also, if anyone has some questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat. Um, I have about a half hour, so I'll take as many questions as I can today. I'm just, I'm reading a few of these comments here. I see a, I see a comment that says, uh, talking about the warm, nurturing intimacy and says men can get that from their fathers and definitely from their male friends. If they push against the conditioning of modern Western society. You know, I'm going to disagree with that. Brotherhood, even healthy, masculine brotherhood, is not the same thing as the kind of warmth and tenderness that a man feels from a woman. And, like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think there is... I mean, it would be like saying... It would be like saying that you can get the same thing from your mother or your female friends that you can get from a man. I don't, I don't think that's true. You know, I, I think in this, in this experience that we're in here, where we are polarized, right? Where we have, we have embodied on one side of a spectrum here. There are, there are things that we can only experience when we're in relationship with the opposite side of the spectrum. And that doesn't make us incomplete, but it's like saying, you know, can you experience being on a roller coaster without actually being on a roller coaster? No, you can't, right? Like you can't, like there's something that only happens when you're on a roller coaster. There are things that only happen when you're in relationship with a member of the opposite sex. And that's not, like, that's not something to be poo-pooed on or, like, trying, trying to be so ultra-independent to think we don't need anything from each other. Like, that's something to really honor and appreciate that there are gifts that we bring to each other that are so beautiful, that are so magnificent, that are, that are some of the juiciest things that we can ever have in life. And that to, that to conduct ourselves in a way, in relationship with each other, where we can actually receive those gifts is a beautiful thing. And so to, to minimize that and to water that down to, oh, well, he could get the same thing from his father or from his male friends if he just undoes his conditioning. Like you're, you're cutting out something so sacred and so beautiful that there is something that we can only experience in relationship with each other. And... I wouldn't cut that out. I wouldn't want to remove that from life. Those are some of the juiciest parts of life right there. I wouldn't want to cut that out. I wouldn't want to lose that. So thank you for the comment. And yeah, I, I just, I got to disagree. 
Um, all right, let me see what other questions we have here. If anyone has a question, just go ahead, drop it in the comments. I'll get to as many as I can. Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to take this question from MagsMags21. She says, being an empath puts you at risk for anxiety abuse. How to create boundaries without feeling hurt. Okay, so I always love it. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little tough love, Mags, but I'm on your team here. But I always love it when someone says, can you tell me how to do this without feeling hurt? And that tells me what your struggle is right there, is because you've been trying to find a way to do it without feeling hurt. But the very fact is, doing hard things causes us to feel hard things. Okay, when you finally quit that addiction that you know you need to quit, you're going to struggle with it a little bit. When you finally let go of that relationship that you know is not healthy for you, you're going to struggle with it a little bit. Okay, when you, when you do something that is hard to do, when you do a hard thing, you are going to struggle with it. You are going to feel some hurt. And so the question is not, how do I do this without feeling hurt? The question is, how do I navigate my feelings as I do this difficult thing? And the old advice was repression, right? Just stuff your feelings down and do it anyway. <laughs> but that doesn't work. We end up with a nation of people who are on antidepressants that way, right? So that doesn't work. What works is being in touch with yourself as you do that difficult thing. So being an empath puts you at risk for anxiety abuse. Let me just address that first part of the comment. Okay. When you, when you say being an empath puts me at risk for anxiety abuse, basically what you're saying is I feel strong feelings and I don't know if they're mine or I don't know if they're someone else's. Well, let me first say, what an empath does is they match the feelings of other people. Okay, so you, you actually can't feel someone else's feelings. You can only feel your own feelings. But what an empath does, and this is something that we learn to do in childhood, it's a survival mechanism is in early childhood, we feel fear, we feel danger. And so we learn to match the feelings of those around us to be able to tune into that. And, and that helps us know what to do and how to respond in order to survive and protect ourselves as children. Okay, so empaths are people who have learned to tune into the emotions of others in order to feel what they're feeling so they can know how to respond so they can protect themselves. Now, as an empath, that practice becomes so automatic for you that it's basically out of control, right? It's just happening all the time. And so that's why empaths feel such a struggle with their feelings is because they're, they're, they haven't developed an emotional core where they have some distance between their feelings and everyone else's feelings. They're constantly tuning into the feelings of others. So... As an empath, 
what you need to do is learn to recognize that happening and bring yourself back. Bring yourself back to yourself. Right? You want to break that habit of always matching the feelings of others. And so this requires you to, this requires you to be in tune with what you're feeling, to be able to decompress your strong emotions, right? So when you've, when when you're feeling something very strong, you've got to learn to stop. You've got to learn to create some space. You've got to learn to tune in to your own emotion, right? What are you feeling? You've got to learn to self-soothe and release and relax that experience. And as you do that, as you self-soothe and you release and you relax that experience, you will be able to find your truth. And so what, what this is really is that we're talking about here, it's like building a muscle. It's like you've got to build that muscle of coming back into yourself, soothing the experience, releasing it, let it go. And as you can learn, it's, 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 I mean, what I'm really talking about is nervous system regulation here, right? So you match someone else's dysregulation and it throws you off. You've got to identify that you're thrown off. You've got to stop yourself without going more into that, right? You've got to stop yourself. You've got to come back into yourself, regulate the experience, find your truth from a regulated state, and then move forward. And so as you develop that muscle as an empath, as you get stronger and stronger developing that muscle, that tendency to match other people's energy or to match other people's emotion becomes less and less. Like you actually, you break that. You don't lose the ability to do it. You'll always have the ability to do it, but you break the the degree at which it happens so automatically. And so then you're more grounded in your own energy. You're not constantly being pulled into other people's energy. And then you have your power. And the things about creating boundaries or whatever you're asking, like that's going to come as you do that. And so what, what I would say in, in response to your question is you're not going to do this without feeling hurt. What you're going to do is you're going to explore the hurt feelings that you have and you're going to learn to regulate them. And that's going to bring you to a new experience of all of this. When you learn how to honor and regulate the feelings that you have, you're going to experience all of this differently. You're going to have a stronger emotional core and you will move forward more powerfully as a result of that. Awesome question. Thank you, Mags. Um, this question is from Sharon Kaufman. She says, I don't know if I did the right thing after your conversation today. I left because he hasn't called me in three days. Do you think I should not? I told him many times I need him to call me. Even, is there... I would, uh, this continues. I was so nurtured by my boyfriend through nine months. We've been together. He keeps not calling when he is with his kids last weekend. It was three days when he hasn't called. I broke up with him. Was I right? Okay. 
So, so the question is, I left him because he hasn't called me in three days. When he's, he doesn't call when he's with his kids. I was so nurtured by him for nine months. We've been together, but he keeps not calling when he's with his kids. I mean, this is a good example of, of how these kinds of things look in real life. And there is some nuance here. You know, I, I mean, like what this really comes down to, Sharon, so what I'm hearing is I've been so nurtured by him. You know, he's been a great guy, but when he's with his kids, he disappears and I don't hear from him for days at a time. And I've communicated to him repeatedly that I need to hear from him even when he's with his kids. And we've been doing this for nine months and this still hasn't changed. So was I wrong to leave? I mean, like, honestly, I don't really think so. And like, if I was, if I was coaching you privately, I would have some questions for you, right? I would want to know how you communicated this. I would want to know how he responded to this. I would want to know what agreements you've made around this. I would want to know how many times you've had that conversation. I would want to know how many times he has blatantly broken an agreement that he gave his word to. So these are some of the questions I would have. Sometimes I find when someone says, I communicated this to him repeatedly, but then I start asking questions, I find that what they communicated was their frustration or their dissatisfaction or why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that or this isn't working for me. Or, but sometimes they have never vulnerably communicated that, that need and vulnerably asked from their heart for their partner to meet the need and shared in a vulnerable and intimate way why it is important for them and shared in a vulnerable and intimate way how much they love their partner and how much they love the relationship and how much they don't want to lose this and how much they want it to work and why it scares them because they know in their heart that if their partner can just not find a way to do this, that they are going to have to let the relationship go. And that that is so heartbreaking for them because that is the last thing in the world they want. Like, I want you to, I want you to just listen to how I just described that conversation. The, the heart openness and the raw authenticity and the vulnerability, but also the strength I love you. I want you. I want this to work. Like, I, I don't want to lose this. And at the same time, I know that if we cannot find a way to work this out, I am going to have to let this go. And that breaks my heart. And I don't want that for either of us. And I, I think that you don't want that too. So can we please, can we please find a way to have this work. Most of us are too afraid to be that way in our relationships. And because we're afraid to be that way, the only way we communicate is through this, you know, we, we avoid communication until it gets to a point where we can't handle it. And then we become harsh and critical 
and we beat our partner up for it. But what's needed is this heartfelt, vulnerable communication. This raw, honest, authentic about, I love you, I want you. And it's so important to include that because when we start being harsh and critical, what our partner here, what our partner hears is that we don't love them and we don't want them and they don't matter to us or that we don't like them or that we don't find them appealing or desirable. But that's not the truth. The truth is we love them deeply and we have needs that aren't being met. So my question to you, Shannon, or, or I would say just my answer to your question, I think it's Sharon. Sorry, I said Shannon. Sharon, sorry about that. So my answer, Sharon, would be, have you communicated it like that? How many times have you communicated it like that? Have you heard out his side of it? Have you heard why he struggles with this? Have you really dug into this together? Have you tried to compromise about it? Have you tried to find ways to meet in the middle about it? How can you meet him halfway and he meets you halfway? Right? Like, if you've done all that, then you did the right thing. But if you haven't, then I would say, like, where are you holding back? Where are you not letting him see that soft, intimate side of you that would make him want to call you? Like, where have you not shown him how much that call means to you? What it does for you? How it deepens your relationship together. How, how he is going to be rewarded for doing so because him calling you is going to make you so grateful for who he is in your life that he's going to be happy he did. Right? What part of that has he not seen yet? That would be my question. You know, I started earlier talking about challenge and reward, and I know I talked quite a bit about the challenge aspect of it. I want to just touch on the reward aspect of it. Because, like, ladies, what I want you to hear, and this is what I was saying earlier about, like, you know, this thing that men need from you, this thing that men need from you that they can only get from you, like, that is the reward. And when a man shows up for you, when a man provides for you, when a man meets those needs, when he shows you that he wants to make you happy and that he is going to make the effort and put in the work to make you happy, when a man does that, it is so important that he is rewarded with that warm, loving, juicy like I said earlier, it's like that, that's, that just makes him want to melt into you. Like that is what he gets for being the man you need in your life.
That is his reward. And if you're not challenging him to step up for you, then he's probably not going to. But if you're only challenging him and not rewarding him, then he's going to become defeated and he's not going to find he's not going to find that it's worth the effort. So this is why it's it's so important and, and bringing it back to where we started here. And I'm going to close it out with this. Oh wait, I do want to take um I know we had one more. It was who was it? It was Ivy Sky. She clarified for me. So I'm going to go back to Ivy Sky's question. But I just want to say this is that when, when you have your standards, you have your boundaries, and you expect this man to step up for you. And then you reward him for doing so. You let him experience the joy of being the man that you need in your life. You let him experience how amazing it is to be your man. But you don't let him experience how amazing it is until he makes the effort. You might let him get a hint or a glimpse of it. You might give him some peeks at it. But he doesn't really get to feel it until he's risen to that challenge. This is the recipe that will have a man tripping over himself to be with you. And, you know, I I know when you hear something like this, there's a tendency to try to map it all out and control it all and put the chess pieces in place, right? But but I want to tell you that this should really be a natural process that comes from you being so connected to your worth and your value and the gift that you are in a man's life that you're so connected to that that you don't accept any amount of wishy-washy bullshit and that you also share that effortlessly when someone does show up for you. Right? It's a natural thing. Because you're connected to it inside of you. And so it comes out of you in the most natural way. So in the beginning, you might need to control it a little bit. But it's not really going to work until it becomes natural. Until it becomes second nature. Until it becomes who you are and how you express authentically. Not just because you're trying to achieve something. Okay, So um, Ivy Sky's question is, let me go back to it. Any tips for raising boys for grown children who don't have a good role model? Okay, so basically the question is, I'm a single mom raising young boys. They don't have a strong male role model. Any tips on how to raise good boys? And I love this question. I love this question. And you know, I just want to honor you as a single mother for asking this question because it's a beautiful, beautiful question. Um, Beautiful, beautiful question. Okay, so one, I would say get them around good men. 
if there are youth groups for young men that they can be a part of where they're where they're going to be exposed to like honorable, strong, healthy, conscious men, get them around that, right? Get them exposed to that. That's going to be a big point. Um, I think also, you know, like you, you can do a lot in terms of teaching them how to treat young girls, right? Like when they start dating or I don't know what ages they are, but when they start dating, like just letting them know, like, look, this is how you treat a woman. You open the door for her. You, you know, you say kind things to her. You, you know, this is how it's okay to touch a woman. This is how it's not okay to touch a woman, right? Like, like, you know, like teaching them these kinds of things, letting them know, like giving them some tips. And I know like if you have teenage boys, I mean, it's going to be hard to get them to listen to you on this stuff. So you're, you're in a tough position, but I think, so you say your boys are 20 and eight. Okay. So, you know, the 20 year old, he's on his own at this point. I mean, you can, you can try to, you can try to give him some pointers here and there. He may or may not listen really probably depends on what kind of kid he is. But you know, at this point he's on his own, he's going to figure it out. Um, the eight year old, you can do a lot in terms of getting him involved in groups and things where there are lots of healthy, strong men around, um, sharing with him, not, you know, I want to say like, as a mother, like you don't want to lecture your boys. That's just going to have them develop all kinds of resistances towards women. And, you know, you want to try not to lecture your boys, but if you can meet them where they're at, like you're a friend who's giving them the inside scoop, right? Like, like young boys, they, they want to attract young girls. Like they, they want the young women at school or whatever to to find them attractive. They, you know, they want to be desirable. They, they want to have game, right? Like that's important to a young boy. So if you could be like a friend that's giving him the inside scoop on how to talk to women. That could work. Lecturing him about how he should do it or how he's supposed to do it or about how he's doing it wrong, that's just going to have him shut down. He's not going to be interested. But if you can, again, be the friend who's given him the inside scoop that's going to help him get something he wants, that could work. So, yeah, I think, you know, the the biggest thing I would say is like he's going to need healthy, strong men in his life. He just is. And I didn't have healthy, strong men in my life. Like, I I mean, there were some guys at, at church, the church my mom took me to, and they helped. But, you know, for the most part, I didn't have a lot of strong men, and my dad was definitely not that. And so I didn't learn about that until I started getting coaches. And I started getting into environments where I was exposed to strong, honorable men. And then when I saw something in those men that I wanted to be, I started working to be that kind of man. And that was something that I honestly like had no real direction towards. It's just something that came from inside of me. And I think maybe in, in my younger years, my mother helped to instill some of those values in me. So, you know, anything you can do to ex- instill a strong value system, anything you can do to, you know, have your boys respect and honor women, it's going to be a good thing, but then 
I would say big thing, get him around some male role models. That's going to be a big, big part of it. Thank you for the question. All right. Lots of love, everybody. Great session today. It's, it's always just so much fun to be on here with you and, um, and share and to connect. Um, lots of excellent questions today. And I just want to thank you so much to those of you who sent in your questions, to those of you who left your comments. Um, beautiful conversation today. And, and I really enjoyed being with all of you. So, so much love to you wherever you are, whatever you're going through. I, I know that some of you may be going through incredible challenges right now. And I just want to remind you that you've got this, whatever it is that you are doing probably better than you think you are and that you are getting through this and that there is another side to it. Um, I want to send you lots of love, any of you who are struggling right now. And, you know, for those of you who aren't, just keep killing it. Keep doing amazing in your life. You're doing awesome. Keep knowing your value. Keep expressing your value in your life and in the world. And uh, the more confidently you grow into that, the more people will see that and feel that from you. So lots of love, everybody. Lots of love. Many, many blessings. And take care. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.